This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. Hello, you sexy sat stackers, and welcome to the latest episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. I am Chris, and today is Wednesday, March 29th, 2023. And of course, that means it is time for our DCA Wednesday episode. There is a lot to talk about this weekend, and yet there isn't a whole lot to talk about this weekend. It seems like the more things change, the more things stay the same, right? Uh, Real quick, though, let's take a look at the vital statistics. At the time of this recording, we are sitting at a block height of 783093 and Bitcoin is ringing in at a U.S. dollar price of 28420 U.S. dollars per Bitcoin, or 3519 sats per dollar. Uh, so that gets into one of the things I wanted to talk about, and I've spoken about this, I don't know, multiple times, last podcast, the podcast before that. If you were staring at the charts, if you were fixated on price, um, Bitcoin crashed last week, right? It tanked, dropped to 26,000 or whatever. But if you just zoom out a little bit, like dollar cost averaging forces you to do, Bitcoin is worth almost $1,000 more than it was last Wednesday. Our trend on Wednesdays has continued to be up and to the right, even though, you know, if you were out there staring at prices all day, you probably think Bitcoin crashed this week. Uh, and you know, Hey, if you are the sort of person and I am, I'm guilty as charged. I like to, I do like to watch the prices fluctuate, watch the prices change. Then maybe you be, maybe you BTFD, right? Maybe you bought the freaking dip. Uh, but if you didn't, uh, and the whole point of us being here today is to, is to grow our, our sats testing out the dollar cost average theory. Uh, we're going to have more sats today than we did yesterday. And hopefully you do too. And speaking of block height, we are zooming in on the next Bitcoin miner reward having. As you know, the amount of Bitcoin miners receive as a reward for uh, finding uh, the next block is cut in half uh, approximately every four years. Uh, The next having is going to occur at block 840,000. And that is approximately, well, that's exactly 56,907 blocks from now. And that's still looking like that's going to occur on April 21st of uh, 2024. So just a little over a year from now, that date's been fluctuating. It's been creeping up on us because blocks have been coming in faster than the 10-minute average. Uh, But the last three weeks in a row, it's kind of stabilized at uh, April 21st. So we won't know exactly when that's going to happen until it happens. Uh, Other than the fact we know it will happen at exactly block 840,000. But as far as human, the human concept of time goes... Uh, as far as our t- concept of dates and times goes, it will be on approximately April 21st of next year. And for those of you keeping score, Bitcoin's market capitalization is up about $17 billion this week, ringing in at a market cap of $549.4 billion. And uh, if, if you've noticed that I appear a little distracted, uh, it's really stormy outside and, and there's an oak tree that keeps scraping into the roof of my studio every once in a while. I don't know if you can hear it or not. I am running the basic noise canceling on my soundboard, which is usually a no-no. I like to go in and clean up the noise if I need to, um, you know, in uh, in Adobe later because it's it's better. But uh, right now I'm running the basic denoise feature on the soundboard, and, and hopefully it's 
hopefully it's getting rid of that. But if you hear me kind of, if you see me kind of pause or uh, hear me kind of pause and, and, and stumble for a minute, like that big bang right there was the oak tree smacking into the roof. Hopefully we don't lose an oak tree and that would make for a really entertaining episode if we end up with a giant branch sticking in the middle of the studio. I'm not seriously concerned about that happening. This oak tree has been through numerous hurricanes and this is just a cold front. But uh, uh, yeah, cold front. It was almost 90 degrees here on the space coast of Florida just yesterday and uh, we're currently like 75 degrees right now. So uh, apparently the rest of the country, everybody except for uh, those of us in Florida and further south are experiencing winter still. That's odd. So our our taste of that only dropped us down to 75 degrees, but hey, that was nice because I was out for a walk last night when it first started hinting that we were going to get the cold front moving through, and it was hot and muggy and buggy, and the mosquitoes were out, and it was a typical Florida summer night, right? And uh, I had to go back inside and take care of something, and that took about 20 minutes, and I came back outside to finish up my walk, and it was cool out. There was a nice cool breeze. The bugs were gone. Uh, someone flipped a light switch while I was inside, and uh, but unfortunately, when that happens, it gets really windy, and when it's really windy, things blow around, and we have a lot of plants because we have a lot of greenery in Florida, and some of that greenery needs to be trimmed up a little bit because it's banging on the studio roof as we speak. Uh, but I don't hear it in the headphones, I don't think, so hopefully you don't hear it, and if you do, hopefully it's not too distracting. Speaking of distracting, let's get back to what I was talking about, and that was the vital statistics. As I mentioned, Bitcoin's market capitalization is up to $549.4 billion, 17.4 billion more than last week. So, you know, if you were watching those charts on a daily basis and you saw everybody panic and crash the price of Bitcoin down to 16000 something, whatever it crashed to, now that didn't happen looking at market cap on a week-over-week basis because market cap is steadily... Uh, well, I'm looking at the last, the last four shows in a row. It was we had a market cap of 454 billion, then 472 billion, then 532 billion. Now, uh, 549 billion. So, you know, if you're stressed about the price, zoom out because we're still up and to the right. If you look at the big picture. For those of you who value your wealth in shiny yellow rocks, Bitcoin's value has gone up compared to gold as well. And that's even with gold ringing in at, at, at close to all-time record highs. Uh, gold is about where it was last week in the, you know, better than $19,000 an ounce, like right around $1,963 an ounce. Despite that, it's going to cost you an extra 0.2 ounces of gold to purchase just one Bitcoin. It's going to cost you 14.3 ounces of the shift bucks, the My Precious Coins, to purchase just one Bitcoin as opposed to 14.1 ounces last week. So even with the price of gold going up in US dollar terms, it is still trending down in Bitcoin terms. As they like to say, everything trends to zero eventually when compared to Bitcoin. And for gold bugs out there thinking that gold is just popping, that they're setting a new all-time record high, well, if you had invested in Bitcoin, you'd be doing even better because your gold is trending down according to Bitcoin uh, when compared to Bitcoin. For those of you who value your wealth in pizzas, one Bitcoin will currently purchase you 1,683 large pepperoni pizzas from Papa John's. A heck of a lot more pizza than Laszlo got for 10,000 Bitcoin on that very first Bitcoin pizza day. And 53 more pizzas than one Bitcoin would have purchased you just last Wednesday. So Bitcoin is trending up or pizzas are trending down, whichever way you want to look at it. But you know, 53 extra pizzas for one Bitcoin, that's more than a month. That's almost two months of one large pizza a day for just one Bitcoin. That is a lot of food security. 
Uh, and that's, you know, as, as the uh, doomers and the preppers out there look at the fiat system shaking, the banks shaking, the, you know, the economy of the world possibly getting ready to dive into a global recession or depression, uh, it's nice to know that you could feed your family for about four years every day for just one Bitcoin. All right. Uh, speaking of Bitcoin activity, the mempool is it's a little less clogged up than it was last Wednesday, but still a healthy amount of on-chain activity. Last Wednesday, there were 68 blocks worth of transactions pending in the mempool, and currently there are only 61 blocks worth of transactions pending in the mempool. Uh, that's still, you know, 10 hours worth of blocks uh, of backlog, but, you know, not as bad as it has been. Along those lines, if you want to do an on-chain transaction, you want to guarantee that transaction is included in the next block, the fee estimators are recommending that you include a fee of 30 sats per byte to guarantee that it, that your, your transaction is included in the next block. That is up a tiny bit. Last week, it was 27 sats per byte. Uh, although it's still saying that five sats per byte, five sat per byte transactions will still clear within a day, and uh, one sat per byte transaction should clear within a week if you're willing to wait. And that is because transactions are zooming along. Currently, you know that statistic I like to follow, the Bitcoin's on-chain 24-hour transaction volume is averaging 3.9 transactions per second. That is up from last week when we were averaging 3.62 transactions per second, and if you've been following the show, you know I like to see Bitcoin averaging more than pi, right? More than 3.14 transactions per second. Anytime we have 3.14, 3.15, or higher transactions per second, uh, it usually tends to reflect on, uh, you know, well, it's healthy on-chain activity, and usually the price is pumping. Uh, of course, that is not any kind of official transaction analysis. It's no, no, I haven't heard anybody else, you know, mention that that as a, as a, as a, uh, as a, as a statistic that indicates whether the price of Bitcoin is trending up or down. It's just something that I've noticed. And we've been doing this podcast for almost two years now. And in that two years, without fail, almost every day when we were above 3.14 transactions per second, Bitcoin was going up uh, in terms of US dollar value. And speaking of on-chain activity, we had a mining difficulty adjustment just hours after the last Bitcoin Bulletin podcast. That was a fairly significant increase. Uh, that was an increase of 7.6% in the difficulty to mine the next block. Uh, we are currently sitting at 1,131 blocks away from the next mining difficulty adjustment. For those of you who don't know, Bitcoin adjusts the difficulty to find the next block, the mining difficulty, every 2,016 blocks. And the idea being it adjusts the difficulty to keep blocks coming in at an average time of 10 minutes per block. If blocks are coming in on average faster than 10 minutes, it gets more difficult to mine the next block. If they're coming in slower, it gets easier to mine the next block. Uh, and that, that's in theory to smooth that out and keep the, the blocks being found on 10-minute average. I don't think we've ever seen it averaging 10 minutes per block at any of the episodes that we've done in the previous two years. This week is no different, although it's closer. Uh, currently, blocks are averaging 9 minutes and 50 seconds. Last week, they were coming in at 9 minutes and 26 seconds. Uh, as a result, because we're closer to that 10-minute target, the next difficulty increase is currently forecast to be a lot smaller, anywhere from 1.4 to 1.7%. Uh, and, you know, that leads into one of the things that a lot of people are talking about. Uh, and it seems like we always get this minor FUD. It's either during the halving that the miners are going to go away and that's going to lead to a death spiral, which has never happened. 
uh, obviously. Or uh, now the FUD is that mining is, the hash power is continuing to increase, even though, you know, we're not at a new all-time high Bitcoin price-wise. And the fact that Bluetooth mining hash power has been, Bluetooth connected. the fact that mining hash power has just been going through the roof, uh, people are, People are saying, well, that must be that must mean that there's a, that there, that we're about ready to have a 51 percent attack that some government, some nation state, some evil player is bringing on uh, bringing, you know, spooling up their hash power so they can attack the Bitcoin network. Uh, obviously, that's a load of malarkey, as President Joe Biden likes to say. Come on, man. You know, um, most likely it is just the fact that, uh, well, we saw like Marathon Digital was having trouble getting their mining rigs on online. You know, they had that issue with their power plant in Montana and they moved all their miners down to Texas. And then when they moved their miners to Texas, Core Scientific that was installing their miners for them went bankrupt. And so they had hundreds of thousands of mining rigs that they were trying to bring online. And maybe some of those mining rigs are online. The new mining rigs are like a factor of tenfold more efficient than the old mining rigs. And a lot of those are beginning to come online. And if, you know, if mining, if, if uh, and I, I'm not looking at the statistics at this moment, but previously, uh, like a quarter of the hash power out there, a significant portion of the hash power were still old Antminer S9s, which are like two generations old or older now. And uh, a lot of those are starting to get replaced. Uh, also, when the Bitcoin price was down, some miners were turning off, right? Because those miners weren't profitable anymore. Now that the price is back up to about $28,000 of Bitcoin, it makes sense that miners are turning back on. I mean, there's just a million different reasons why the hash rate should be surging, not the least of which is, you know, everybody knows that Bitcoin runs in four years in four year cycles. That's no secret. And we've seen that, you know, when we get close to the next cycle, businesses, professional miners, large mining farms, they know that, you know, that that we're getting ready to go on the next bull run too. And so they're 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 gearing up, they're spooling up their mining hash rate for two reasons. A, they want to mine as much Bitcoin as they can before that reward gets cut in half. And B, they want to mine as much Bitcoin as they can before the next bull run so they have as much Bitcoin in their treasury as possible when it sets a new all-time high. So it's funny. If hash rate's going up, we get FUD. That, oh no, it's going to be a nation-state attack. Someone's going to try and attack Bitcoin. If hash rate's going down, we get FUD. Oh no, we're going to get the minor death spiral and the Bitcoin blockchain is going to freeze up and no transactions are going to process. You know, it's as silly as the Greenpeace, environment, Greenpeace Environmental Energy FUD. And you think... Uh, it would just be getting so old now that eventually that that FUD, people would stop playing that FUD card. But, you know, there's more people learning about Bitcoin every day. It seems like you'd think everybody should have heard about Bitcoin by now. But even people who have, a lot of them really don't know anything other than they've heard the term. They know it's an electronic currency, maybe, and, and nothing necessarily more than that. Or maybe all they know is that it was a get-rich-quick scheme and a lot of people made a lot of money, but then the bubble popped, just like the tulip mania, right? Uh, so... You know, there's more and more newbies out there, and as a result, this recycled FUD, you know, it works on the on the newbies, and that's why we keep seeing it recycled. Uh, but it, that's just what it is. It's recycled FUD, uh, and it won't be the last time. In fact, in about a year, when we when we are looking at the next halving, you're going to see the death spiral FUD. Right now, there's too much mining. That's the FUD. And in a year from now, the FUD is going to be all these miners are going to shut off and it's going to freeze up the blockchain and we're going to enter into a Bitcoin death spiral. Mark my words, a year from now or sooner, the death spiral FUD will be taking the place of the oh no, we have too many miners FUD. All right. Thanks to those of you listening on your favorite podcasting 2.0 apps such as Fountain and Breeze. Um, it is important to uh, thank those of you who are listening because not only is it a really cool opportunity for you to help support the, uh, the, your favorite podcast, 
Uh, you can also earn some sats for listening to your favorite podcasts. Uh, if you're listening on Fountain app anyway, they'll let you earn, I don't know, 60 or 100 sats just for listening to your favorite podcast. Uh, and, you know, sponsored podcasts, you can earn even more. But it also lets you reach out and support your favorite podcast, either through the value for value model by streaming a fixed number of sats on a permanent basis to help support those podcasts, or by sending what's called a boost, a boostergram, where basically you're tipping a one-time, a one-time deal, uh, kind of like a smash buy, a smash tip. Uh, and because it's on the Lightning Network, that boost is also a message. Uh, and so that's why they're called boostergrams. And we do have one boost to read this week. As usual, Leggy squeaked one in right under the wire. It looks like this, this uh, boost just came in less than an hour ago. And Leggy sends 6,000 sats and says, Does it count as DCA when I put every cent possible into sats regularly, but in unequal portions? And then a, a, laughy, a laughy face. Um, what an existential question, Leggy. I know, I know, you're, you're, I know you're being uh, humorous, but... You know, that, that is a good point. And one thing I want to say real quick is, again, this is not financial advice. You know, you do you. Hopefully this podcast is entertaining and maybe you're getting some, uh, maybe it's helping you form your opinions uh, when you are doing your own research by watching my DCA journey. What really matters is that you're not on zero. And what really matters is that you have more sats um, tomorrow than you do, than you, than you have today. And while technically it probably doesn't count as dollar cost averaging, if you're not averaging an equal portion uh, if you are building a stack, that's all that really matters. And even though we're DCing every Wednesday, you know, I'm also doing other purchasing. Uh, for example, when Bitcoin went down to $26,000, I bought the dip. Um, for the purposes of this podcast, I don't include sats that I purchase other than our DCA Wednesday in the metric because we're trying to show whether or not dollar cost averaging is effective and whether or not, you know, converting as little as just $20 a week into Bitcoin will help you grow a, a meaningful stack. Obviously, we've shown, I think, that already to be the case. But what is important is that you stack what you can. And, you know, I'm going to go back and say that in some ways, yes, it could be dollar cost averaging stacking every cent possible. Because, you know, if you are the sort of person that doesn't have a fixed income, if you're a, if you're a gig worker or if you work, you know, piecework, if, you, if you're a coder or, you know, a project engineer and you get paid by the job, what you have coming in every week might vary. So if you're investing a fixed percentage of what your income is, then technically you, you are, you are investing in an equal portion, even if it's not the same U S dollar amount. Um, you know, if you're investing every paycheck or every time you have the chance, that is consistency in and of itself. And all that really matters is that when Bitcoin hyper Bitcoinization occurs or when, uh, Bitcoin goes to the moon, that you have enough Bitcoin that uh, that you're not left out, right? That you're not kicking yourself for knowing you should have invested more. And that, um, you know, if the US dollar and the euro, if fiat currencies collapse, if we end up in a in a Weimar Republic's like, like situation, and Bitcoin is the savior, Bitcoin is the lifeboat, uh, that that you're in that lifeboat. And that, that's what really matters. So thank you for the 6,000 sats, Leggy, or the 5,700 sats after Fountain takes their cut. I'm sure Fountain thanks you for their 300 sats. Uh, it's great to hear from you again. And speaking of Leggy, uh, a real quick breakdown of where our listeners are listening from. Our geographic distribution listeners is exactly the same as it was last week. And that's for the second week in a row. 51% uh, of you were listening from the United States. 13% of you were listening from Argentina. 7% of you were listening from Germany. 3% of you were listening, listening from Luxembourg. 
I don't know whether Leggy is listening from Luxembourg or Germany this week or a little bit of both. 3% of you are listening from Colombia. 2% of you are listening from Canada. 2% of you are listening from Spain. 2% from Venezuela. 1% of you are listening from Sweden. And 1% of you are listening from the United Kingdom. Uh, so um, I don't know if our listenership is ossifying a little bit. You know, they talk about Bitcoin's code, the ossification of Bitcoin meaning it gets harder and harder to change. Maybe as our podcast gets older and more mature, uh, this geographic distribution will remain largely the same. Uh, it is really cool that only 51% of our listeners are in the United States. It's really, really gratifying to know that people are enjoying this podcast all over the world, and hopefully we're helping Orange Pill people everywhere in the world because I don't want just my friends and neighbors or people in the United States to you know, be a part of the Bitcoin economy, to be in that lifeboat. I want the whole world to be in that lifeboat. And uh, our our geographic breakdown of listeners indicates that, uh, at least from this podcast standpoint, that is the case. And that's really cool. So, hola to all of you in Argentina or Colombia or España or Venezuela. Um, guten Abend to those of you in Deutschland and Luxembourg. And hello to you in the Great White North in Canada. Hello to you in Sweden. Sorry, I don't speak any Swedish. And hello to you in the United Kingdom. Sorry, I don't speak the King's English. Tongue in cheek, right? All right, so let's take a real quick look at the news. The big news out there, well, the news is always the price, right? The price is the news, and the news is the price. Uh, the headlines, if you look at them right now, are all about Bitcoin's price, and, and, and that, that kind of leads into the second big thing, which was the Securities and Exchange Commission in the United States going after exchanges, going after Coinbase, going after, uh, going after Binance, which is the largest exchange in the world. Uh, so that kind of ties in with the headlines with, uh, CNBC, for example, reporting Bitcoin climbs above 28,000 as investors shrug off regulatory crackdowns. Or Forbes entertaining headline, why is Bitcoin going up? The price of Bitcoin has been on a wild ride over the past month thanks to the rapidly unfolding banking crisis and government efforts to limit the spread of cryptocurrency, basically. Or Yahoo News headline, how is Bitcoin still trading, parentheses, for now, parentheses, at 27,000? And while they meant for now, meaning that they probably think Bitcoin would have been going down, the for now actually meant that Bitcoin isn't 27000 anymore, it's higher. Uh, and they go on, why is one Bitcoin after all the disasters in the crypto industry still trading at, uh, or trading at about $27,000? Your guess is as good as Mark Cuban's. I wish I knew the reason the tech entrepreneur and investor wrote in an email when asked about Bitcoin's resurgence. You know, Bitcoin isn't surging despite the economic turmoil. Bitcoin isn't surging despite the government crackdowns. Bitcoin is surging because this is what Bitcoin was designed for. If you remember when Satoshi Nakamoto published the white paper, when Satoshi Nakamoto mined the first Bitcoin block, he included in the Genesis block, you know, the headline from the Times, the, the UK Times, that the bank, uh, the chancellor on the brink of second bailout for banks. Bitcoin was designed in a response to, the, I mean, people have been trying to come up with an electronic cash for years, right? And Bitcoin built on the works of people like Adam Back, et cetera, uh, in things they, they, they did in like the 90s, for example. But Satoshi Nakamoto, at least what we, can, what we can tell from what he wrote and what he put in the Genesis block, his inspiration behind discovering Bitcoin, perfecting Bitcoin, was the financial crisis. Uh, this was, he specifically wanted a peer-to-peer -peer electronic currency that was permissionless, was censorship resistant, that we could use 
without relying on government fiat, precisely when government fiat fails, you know, when hyper when uh, hyperinflation occurs, when the banks are collapsing, you know, if we repeat 2008 or worse, uh, he wanted an alternative financial system. So it should be a no-brainer. I mean, yes, the normies are going to get scared by what's going on and they might rush to dump any investment that they have in rush into cash, which is a really stupid uh, move in my humble opinion, not financial advice. Uh, because if the value of the dollar is going down because we have inflation, and if the value of the dollar is on the precipice of going completely off the deep end, why would you want dollars, right? To some extent, certain things you purchase need to be purchased in dollars, but you wouldn't dump your entire stack, even if you have an emergency room bill, or you need to buy groceries, or make a car payment, or pay your rent, or you get evicted because you know rents are going up in your apartment complexes using that, hey, we're going to remodel clause so that we can throw everybody out and charge them $1,000 more when you sign a new lease, you know, evict you but re-sign you kind of tactic that seems to be increasingly popular out there. Um, when those sort of things happen, sometimes people need to tap into their Bitcoin, uh, their lifeline. Uh, but you wouldn't sell all of it um, because if you are an investor in Bitcoin, if, you, if you've got off zero, if I, I hate using the word investing, but if you are stacking sats, it's because you know that Bitcoin is the future. And that is why the price of Bitcoin will continue to go up into the right forever, as Michael Saylor says, forever, Laura, forever. Not only despite, but perhaps because of the financial collapse that we're seeing, because of the death of fiat. Uh, so those are silly headlines. Uh, they answer their own question in many ways. Uh, and that leads us to one more headline from Yahoo Finance. Bitcoin storms towards its strongest quarter in two years with a 72% jump outperforming the NASDAQ and gold. Peter Schiff, and gold. The world's largest cryptocurrency is enjoying massive gains, even though just a few months ago, some experts warned of a further crash. Nobody knows when the bottom is. The bottom won't occur until everybody thinks that there's no way the bottom is in. Just like in the last crypto winter, the last bear market, Bitcoin was down around 3,500, and people were saying, no way, man, it's going to drop to one. You know, there's that famous meme we've referenced before, the song, Bitcoin, please go to moon, do, stop going sideways now, do, 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 ton vase say, we're going down to 1K, but Mr. Novogratz, the bozo, says we have bottom and out, bottom and out. So that was a great meme. And uh, one of the signs that the bottom is in, to me, is that the memes are getting better. Man, we were in a meme winter, a meme wasteland too. And the memes are just getting fantastic. And some of it, you know, is thanks to like Greenpeace with their skull of Satoshi, which has been adopted as the unofficial mascot of Bitcoin. Uh, boy, did that backfire on them trying to, you know, try, you know, if, for those of you who don't know, they're living under a rock. Uh, you know, the founder of XRP paid, paid Greenpeace $5 million to attack Bitcoin. And they paid an artist to come up with a sculpture that was going to make Bitcoin look evil and scary. And they came up with a really wicked green laser-eyed skull with nuclear power plant hair. Uh, and, and people, if you haven't seen the memes, I mean, then you, you're obviously not online because they're everywhere, right? Um, and uh, boy, that backfired on them because uh, it didn't get the response that they were hoping for. Again, that's because Bitcoin is going up into the right, not in spite of regulators, not in spite of inflation, not in spite of the banking failures, because this is what Bitcoin was designed to fix. Fix the money, fix the world. Bitcoin fixes this. And because Bitcoin fixes this, it makes Bitcoin more valuable when currencies are shaky. So if you can't see that, I, like, like Satoshi says, if you can't see it, like I don't have time to explain it to you, right? 
All right, getting back to the other uh, the other news out there, the FUD news out there, the SEC crackdown news. Um, you know, if you haven't heard, the SEC is going after uh, CZ and after Binance uh, using the the justification that that Binance, even though it's not a U.S. exchange, even though there is a Binance U.S. for U.S. customers, even though they specifically say you can't use Binance if you're in the United States. Um, the SEC doesn't see it that way. They see regardless of where you are and who you are that if that you have to bow to them, that that Binance has to prove in advance prima facie to the SEC that they're that they're that they're following SEC guidelines, uh, that they are KYCing their customers, et cetera, so they can prove, you know, prove their innocence to the SEC in advance ahead of time uh, that they are not accepting U.S. customers, and here's all our KYC information on these customers to prove none of them are in the United States. That's a little horseshit. The U.S. does not have that authority. They might have that power. The difference between power and authority are two different things because they, they are flexing that power. There's probably going to be a warrant for CZ's arrest, uh, and he will either flee to China or or get extradited and get you know put in a, in a jail cell next to Ross Albrecht uh, and, and SBF. Uh, and so that's the big worry, right? What happens if the SEC tries to shut down Binance? Well, they can't because they're not in the United States, but they can start extraditing people like CZ and, and you know high-ranking executives of, of Binance to try and scare them out of business. And last time we saw this sort of thing happen, the, the founder that they targeted of that exchange fled to China and took his Bitcoin with him or took the exchange's Bitcoin with him, not his Bitcoin. As a result... The headline in on Reuters today was investors pull $1.6 billion from Binance after the CFTC lawsuit. I've seen other headlines out there that say it's more like $2 billion. So basically what we have is a run on Binance. Uh, and even if they, you know, even if CZ's, uh, even if CD, CZ doesn't take the Bitcoin and run, uh, you know, the bank runs have a way of collapsing banks and runs on exchanges have a way of collapsing exchanges. So far, uh, we haven't seen Binance collapse as a result of this run. Uh, people have been able to withdraw their Bitcoin, something they couldn't do at FTX because FTX was a Ponzi scheme. So for now, at least, uh, maybe we're seeing that Binance was fully reserved, that they did have your Bitcoin if you have Bitcoin on Binance. Um, but get your Bitcoin off exchanges if you're silly enough to have it on exchanges. Obviously, most people use exchanges to convert fiat into Bitcoin. But once you make that exchange, you need to get that Bitcoin off of the exchange and into your own hardware wallet uh, or whatever custody solution you decide is best for you. But, you know, not your keys, not your Bitcoin. You can't lose any money if Binance collapses, if Binance, if you don't have any Bitcoin on Binance. Uh, you know, ultimately, this is good for Bitcoin. Even if Binance does collapse and there's another Mt. Gox or an FTX-like event, uh, well, that's good for me because if that crashes the price of Bitcoin, we're going to get more sats. Ultimately, this is good for Bitcoin because eventually people are going to learn their freaking lesson, right? They're going to learn you don't store your Bitcoin on exchanges because you're going to lose it. Uh, and when more people start buying their Bitcoin and putting it in cold storage, uh, that means that there's going to be less Bitcoin available for sale and supply and demand dictates that that's going to increase the price of Bitcoin by itself. Bitcoin is a peer-to-peer -peer electronic currency. Satoshi said it best in the white paper. It's not designed to be a peer-to-Binance, a peer-to-Coinbase investment. Uh, so, you know, I'm not going to beat that horse any longer. Get your coins off of Binance. If Binance collapses, it won't affect you, other than the fact you'll get cheaper Bitcoin. All right, so let's get on to the reason we're here. 
And that is because today is Wednesday. As you know, we called Wednesday DCA Wednesday. And DCA is short for dollar cost averaging, uh, which Leggy inferred in his boostergram that DCA is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions, equal portions, Leggy, at regular intervals, regardless of price. For example, this is going to be our 88th stack. We started investing, started stacking Bitcoin, started converting fiat cuck bucks into Bitcoin every Wednesday, all the way back on Wednesday, July 28th, 2021. Since then, we've stacked 87 times. We've converted 20 US dollars at a time in Satoshis for a a total of uh, 1,760 US dollars, including $39.15 in fees. And that has scored us a stack of over 6 million sats. Uh, we've currently scored 6,038,516 sats at an average purchase price of $28,815.03. So we're getting really close to that break-even point. You know, we'd been underwater uh, during, the, during the bear market. And the cool thing about that is, is we were stacking a lot of sats. You know, at one point in time, we were getting more than 100,000 sats for just 20 U.S. dollars. Those days look like they're over. Last week, we only stacked 68,000 sats, correction, 72,000 sats. Um, the week before that, we stacked 80,000 sats. Before that, 90,000 sats. So it was trending down in, in the terms of our purchasing power per, per cuck buck. Uh, it looks like we're going to get somewhere in the 69 to 70,000 sat uh, stack this week if we hurry up and purchase before Bitcoin goes up any higher. Uh, and as usual, the reason we've been stacking $20 in, is because I wanted to prove two things. I wanted to prove you are not too late that it is not too late to build a stack of Bitcoin. And in just less than two years, we've stacked more than 6 million sats. Uh, if Bitcoin becomes the world reserve currency one day, that's going to be a heck of a lot of US dollars. They say that if everyone in the, in general, if everyone in the world is on a Bitcoin standard, that there's something like 250,000 sats per person. Uh, if you've got 6 million sats, that's significantly more than 250,000, which is going to put you in the elite, you know, maybe not, you know, like Elon Musk elite, but definitely way, way better off than the average person who could only ever save up 250,000 sats as their family nest egg uh, during a, a time of hyper-Bitcoinization. Even if Bitcoin, you know, only hits a million dollars, you're looking at, uh, what are you looking at, 60, at 61,000 US dollars equivalent worth of Bitcoin at just at a purchase price of, uh, of $1 million. And Bitcoin could certainly go a heck of a lot higher than that one day. $1 million is, you know, that's only, not, you know, it's not, not even 20x, right? And we see Bitcoin 20x routinely uh, during, a, during a bear run. 20x is nothing uh, for Bitcoin. So anyway, the point being, we've managed to stack 6 million sats doing it just $20 at a time. So that answers the other question. If you're one of those people on Reddit or Twitter saying, I only have $50, I only have $100, I only have $1,000, is it worth it? Well, we've built a 6 million Satoshi stack just $20 at a time. So you be your judge. Is, is $50 going to get you, uh, is, gonna, is $50 a week gonna, going to build you a stack of Satoshis that can make you part of the new financial system one day? Is $1,000 worth investing? Uh, I think the answer obviously has been yes. But as they say, you do you, do your own research. And hopefully, uh, hopefully this, this is enlightening or at least entertaining uh, following us along as we build our stack. And to build that stack, as usual, we're going to use the Cash App. Cash App is not a sponsor of this show. We do not have any sponsors of this show. I use Cash App because it's really easy. Uh, Cash App may not be available where you are, especially since only 51% of you are in the United States. 
Uh, and there might be an exchange that you feel more comfortable using or that fits your needs better. But for our purposes, we're going to use Cash App. Uh, they charge about 2.5% fee for purchasing Bitcoin, which works out to about $0.45 cents of that $20 purchase. Uh, and 2.5% is a lot more than some exchanges charge. But since we're only purchasing $20, uh, it works out to about $0.45. Cents. If you purchase on uh, Cash App or any other app, for example, that's going to charge you, or uh, Coinbase or any other exchange, for example, that's going to charge you to send that Bitcoin to your hardware wallet, uh, they're going to charge you a couple of dollars to send that Bitcoin out. So uh, we've already made that up. Um, that 45 cents we're paying in fees is more than more than made up for in the fact that we're, we're going to be able to transfer it out to our hardware wallet for free. As long as you're willing to wait a couple hours, you can still transfer your Bitcoin off a of Cash App for zero fees. Uh, and for us, that makes it worth using Cash App, even though percentage-wise, we'd save money if we went with an exchange that was only charging, say, 1% or one-tenth of a percent even. Also, one thing to be aware of, some of those exchanges out there that will let you purchase for no fees. For example, I experimented around purchasing with the Fold card the other day. Uh, the spread on the Fold card was about $300 more. So the price they charge is about $300 more than the current fair market value of Bitcoin. So while they're not charging you a fee, they're charging you a fee, right, by marking up Bitcoin. So you need to take that into account too. Um, hey, but you do you. Pick an app that you feel comfortable using, one that you think suits your needs. If you choose Cash App, though, and you're not already using Cash App, there is a referral code in the show notes. If you click that referral code, you'll get $5 free just for signing up. And the podcast will get $5 free as well. Uh, so you'll help support the podcast and you get paid to do so. All right. The other reason I like Cash App is because they're going to let me make that purchase instantly. Uh, there was some debate on Reddit the other day, whether Cash App or whether Coin, I keep saying Cash App, whether Coinbase will let you purchase instantly. In my experience, they would not. They make me wait five days if I send them a wire transfer from my checking account before I'm able to spend it. Someone else posted, no, they're able to spend it immediately, but they're not able to transfer it out for five days. Uh, so there's some trade-offs there. Cash App's going to let us enter $20 uh, and send $20 to Cash App, which I've already done. And they're going to let us spend it immediately, and they're going to let us withdraw immediately. So I'm going to purchase Bitcoin, entering $20. And boom, just like that, we purchased another 68,903 Satoshis. That is the first time that um, our average cost basis has actually gone up. Uh, because of that 45 cent fee, our, our purchase price for this Bitcoin, we bought the Bitcoin at a base price of $28,373. But when you figure in the 2.5% fee, it means we really paid... Uh, at a price of $29,026, and that is higher than our average cost basis. And for the first time in memorable history, for the first time since, you know, the, the Bitcoin crash, the, the Bitcoin winter, uh, that's increasing our average cost basis by $2.38. So we are right at that break-even point. Our, our average cost basis is now $28,817.41. If Bitcoin goes above that, we're in the money. Uh, if Bitcoin dips back down, I'd love to see it because, man, I like lowering our average purchase price by buying on the cheap. More importantly, I like stacking more than 68,000 sats uh, for our $20. But, you know, even 68,000 sats is a lot more than we were getting when Bitcoin was at its all-time high. You know, we've stacked as little as like 35,000 sats for our $20 during this experiment. When Bitcoin blasts uh, through $100,000, that means you're only going to get 25,000 sats uh, for uh for $20. So 
uh, it's still a good deal. Bitcoin's still cheap. When when Bitcoin's two hundred fifty thousand or three hundred thousand or a million dollars, uh, the fact that we were able to score sixty eight thousand nine hundred three sats uh, will just be mind boggling, and people will be calling you lucky. You know, they'll be saying, "Well, you just got lucky. You didn't you didn't earn your money. You know, you you Bitcoin just who knew, right? Who knew Bitcoin could go up in value? Of course, you do, and that's why you're here. Um, but you know, the haters are going to hate either way. Right now, the haters are going to say you're investing in tulip bulbs, and when you're not. And when they're jealous, uh, they're going to say, you got lucky. Uh, and, you know, they don't need to be haters. They can get off zero. They can join us, right? Uh, and that, that's something that's up to them completely. All right. Well, that's all I really wanted to talk about today. I wanted to keep this one short and sweet. As usual, I never do, right? Um, what are we, 40, 40, 42 minutes in to this trip? I was hoping to keep it under 45, and we have. Of course, it won't be by the time I... I put the disclaimer in the in the four minutes with the bumper music at the end. Uh, for those of you who enjoy that that music that we play at the end, that's a song I composed on GarageBand that I call Banana River Sunset. And the reason I call it the Banana River Sunset is because here in the space coast of Florida, we sit on a barrier island, uh, an island basically off the mainland between, uh, between uh, the Atlantic Ocean and the Banana River. The lagoon on the other side of us is called the Banana River Lagoon. And I, I made a video, it was a drone video, some aerial video of the Banana River and the song I composed, I can, called Banana River Sunset. And it just seemed like a fitting song to use uh, for our, our theme song, our, our intro and our outro music. Uh, and apparently some of you like it because that's one of the things Leggy commented on is one of their very first boosts was came for the relaxing music, uh, stayed for the news or something along those lines. Uh, I read that shout out when they sent it, read that boost that is when they sent it, so... Uh, I don't remember exactly when that was, but you can scroll through on Fountain and and, and see uh, all the boosts that people have sent. Uh, the most recent boost Leggy sent is appended to last week's episode, uh, and if you are listening on Fountain, uh, you can you can see that uh, all those boosts are are public uh, and there for you to read. All right, well, uh, that is all I wanted to talk about. Again, the important thing is it's Wednesday, so we wanted to do our DCA Wednesday stack. Next episode is going to be our 100th episode, and I'm kind of torn because I have a couple other episodes I want to do besides our DCA Wednesday episode. I have an interview I want to do. I know we haven't done any interviews before, but there's one I really, really want to do that I'm trying to arrange. Uh, and I was kind of wanting to see what shook out the rest of this week because I have a feeling the bank failures, the financial collapses are not over. And if there's any major news, uh, especially with how this finance thing shakes out, there might be things to talk about this weekend. But, you know, should I save episode 100 for our DCA Wednesday episode? You know, our very first episode ever was not a DCA Wednesday episode. It was a, a weekend update episode. Most of our episodes have been DCA Wednesday episodes. Uh, but they didn't start out that way. So I'm not necessarily committed to saving episode 100 for DCA Wednesday. Uh, we shall see. Only time will tell. If something really cool happens or something really scary happens, and then we'll jump in. We'll do an episode. Maybe I'll get that. Maybe I'll get that uh, that interview done, uh, and that would be a cool thing to have for the 100th episode. But either way, our next episode will be episode 100, and that is really really cool to think that we've we've come together 100 times to talk about Bitcoin and to enjoy this bright orange journey together, as they say. Either way, we will be here next Wednesday for the DCA Wednesday episode, even if we end up doing one in between. And hopefully you will join us then as we grow that stack like we will next Wednesday and every Wednesday until Bitcoin either goes to the moon or you just get bored and stop listening. Until that time, 
Keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers.